Welcome to the world's greatest Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. I am your co-host, Mike L, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be taking a look at Spidey Comics from June of 1988. That's right, and we are joined by G.I. Jolie. Hello. Woo! And Bex Luthor, back from an absent appearance last week. Yeah, I missed it, because I got hit by a car. Um, <laughs> it's okay, you're fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> I didn't actually get hit by a car. Oh my god, could you imagine? I, like, text you guys. I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to make it today, this week. And they're like, again, what happened? Oh, I'm in the hospital. I'm dead. <laughs> Can you still do the spider cast? All right. Yeah, I'm recording from the hospital. <laughs> dead. Uh. Live from the morgue. Yes. Uh. We know what's important. Uh, speaking of what's important, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be doing three awesome Spidey comics this week. <sighs> Starting right. with one written by Fabian Niciesa. Web of Spider-Man 39 and Joshua Mervell, you're going to tell us what this one's about. Right. So Web of Spider-Man <laughs> 39, Retribution. So <laughs> we start off with uh, mugging in the alleyway. This guy is robbing a homeless woman? Yeah, I don't get it either. Neither does Spider-Man when he shows up to break this this up. But he jumps down in the alleyway and webs him up against the wall in his uh, Halloween store uh, Spider-Man costume after he got rid of his black and white duds after the whole Venom incident. Uh, So as he's standing there, he's talking to this goon and the old woman that was being mugged starts tearing his clothes off like there's a thread and she just starts pulling it and pulling it and she says rude uh i can't see your tushy yet he 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 and <laughs> he's ripping his clothes off anyways uh he swings away and that's our opening to this comic uh mm. we get uh we get a little bit of a uh, we catch up with Nathan, Aunt May's old fling, uh, and uh, our old fiance, I guess, and uh, uh, right now, and uh, we kind of get a recap of his backstory and how they were together, and then his past with like the mob comes up and catches up with him, so he breaks things off with Aunt May because it's too dangerous for her, and he's like now living in an apartment by himself. So uh, we see him um, going down the street. He stops at a newspaper stand and he buys a newspaper. And as he's going by, he gives some change to the homeless man that he knows on the street. Um, And we see the homeless man walk away afterwards. And we start following him as he's pushing his grocery cart uh, over to Nathan's house. And he breaks the door down. Uh, with his bare hands, mind you. Mm. Um, cut back over to Peter in his apartment with MJ. He's trying to fix his costume. MJ's like, no, this will not do. I'm going to hook you up. Don't worry. She calls up some of her like fashion friends and says, hey, my husband is uh, going to a costume party. He needs a really good Spider-Man costume. Do you think you can hook us up? Yeah, no problem. We'll have it done for you by tomorrow. Also, Peter's got a mullet now. Um, <laughs> uh, we Aunt May calls. Something is wrong. So he's going to head over there. Um, 
So we cut back over to the guy that broke into Nathan's apartment and he starts pawning all of his stuff at pawn shops. Uh, and like th- this guy is like, no, he's he's kind of thinking something is fishy here and it's probably stolen. So he's like, no, I'm not going to buy uh, half of the shit that you've got here. So we cut over Aunt May's telling him that something's wrong with Nathan. He's like, don't worry, I'll go check up on him. So as he's leaving, he actually bumps into um, the uh, the man that was uh, selling all of Nathan's stuff. He's drunk now. The He used the money that he got um, from pawning off all that shit to buy a bottle of alcohol, and he's just completely plastered now. Um, as Peter's walking away, we see this guy, like, start to stumble, and he falls, and he, like, braces. Uh, he, like, picks himself back up uh, using the fire hydrant and we see that his hand digs into the fire hydrant so we know this guy is like super strong um, we cut back over to Peter uh, he's there kind of figuring out what trying to figure out what's going on with Nathan's broken in apartment he helps him clean up the place and the two of them kind of like rekindle their relationship uh, Nathan kind of confesses that he was harsh on Peter because he knew that he couldn't be there for Aunt May so he was upset that Peter wasn't there for her as well um so uh Peter decides he's gonna go back get his new costume and try and do some investigating himself so he starts going to like different pawn shops and things like that and it eventually leads him to a pawn shop where this guy is actually selling this stuff so he's able to web up the, uh, and take back Nathan's watch uh, and his his engraved watch from Aunt May, and so he knows that this guy is um, is the guy that he's looking for. So this guy, in a panic, seeing Spider Man, runs into an alley and starts digging through some trash, and he pulls out this costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut back over to Peter. He gives Nathan the watch back. Um, it turns out that uh, this guy put on his costume and is going to Aunt May's house after getting a phone call from Aunt May. So Peter puts the costume back on and he starts fighting this guy. And it turns out that it's a guy that used to be called uh, Meteor Man or the Looter as well. Um, so the two of them start fighting each other and uh, in the middle of the street while Aunt May is hiding in a van. Um Peter is eventually able to kind of uh, overtake him. There's like a huge fight in the street. Nathan ends up catching up. Um, The police show up and arrest the guy. And then Nathan, after getting all of his stuff back, digs through and pulls out their old engagement ring and kind of like reproposes to Aunt May, I guess. And um, he moves back into their home together with Aunt May and all of her friends. And that's the uh, yeah, that is the end of that. That was pretty good. I, I I actually surprisingly really liked this like weird fill-in issue. Yeah, it, it wasn't bad. I I expected to not like it, but it's definitely pretty good. Um, again, done in one, so I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It's developing the characters a little bit. Yeah, it brings moving back the story a, forward right. still. Yeah. It brings back a classic villain that I kind of didn't know existed. I forgot about this character, but and I don't know anything about him, but I'm looking him up now. But I don't know how a character can go from being called the looter to Meteor Man. I don't know. 
<laughs> There's no connection between those two, but okay. I, I wonder if he got his powers from a meteor or something. Yeah, actually, it's like here, super a meteor strength. fell to Earth, and that's how he got his powers. But anyway, Wait. yeah, th this issue was yeah again fun. Like Alex Savic's art gives it that classic Silver Age feel, so I like it for that. Uh, it's weird though because it's like I read this issue before, but I don't remember anything about it, so I don't think it's great. But I definitely think it's fine. Uh, GI Julie, what do you think? I liked it. Uh, <laughs> again, like like you said, it's like one and done. And uh, it wasn't super convoluted. I mean, I don't know who the hell the looter is, but <laughs> he's the looter um, and also Meteor Man. I don't know what that means either. Um, the mystery of what he what he is or who he is is kind of fun. Um, all of the stuff with uh, Nate uh, and Aunt May is really f it wraps up kind of nicely and like it brings them into the story in a way that, again, is about retail. Oh! It's okay. Sorry. Something scared him outside, sorry. <laughs> it, like, okay. re retail always brings his aunt and her friends into the mix. And this, this time it's like a pawn shop and a ring. <laughs> He's like, no, no, it's not. It's not, though. <laughs> Um, I like that little subplot of there being, of there being, uh, the looter was the thief, right? Yes. Okay, I wasn't mistaken about mm -hmm. that because I was, uh, yeah. So and, and that's something we'll talk about when we talk about the things that we like maybe didn't like a little bit. Um, so the looter, as the thief, bring like it, you. Anyway, it's not convoluted. It, like long story short it's not convoluted like most shoehorned storylines would be when they're trying to involve Aunt May this one seemed like very succinct which brings me to the things I probably didn't like which is the art was kind of hard to um hmm. the, like I mean the looter has a mask so I don't know I don't know that he's the thief and also the thief looked different several times so that was kind of huh. confusing hmm. um, also every pawn shop owner looked the same and it's really funny that it turned out the ring ended up to be at ye old pawn shop of all places <laughs> mm -hmm. um, oh really cool and I, I just didn't know why they didn't think of this before is that like Mary Jane has all kinds of fashion resources. And, like, mm -hmm. she's so quick on her feet and amazing. She's like, hey, wait, let me call every costume designer I know or, like, fashion designer. They'll never question this, and they all love me. And they do it for her in, like, less than 24 hours. <laughs> like, take well, notes, Felicia. You take know what? notes. I gotta quickly point out before, before you talk, Becca, um... I didn't get this issue of Spider-Man until 10 years after I got Amazing 300. So I appreciate the fact that they remembered that his German costume store costume has mm. die Spine on it or whatever it is, die right? Spina. Oh, yeah. Die Spina. I'm so glad. Like, that's classic Marvel for you. They don't let any little bit of continuity go. Mm -hmm. And they make a story out of it. That's why it's so cool when they do that, right? So anyway... That uh, was fun. Yeah, exactly. Becca, what did you think of this one? No, I liked it too. Um, the, the looter is a very 
I think I remember him being Meteor Man, and I think he does get his powers from a meteor. Like, mm. gas leaks out of it or something. <laughs> um, and then he's like, ah, superpowers. I know what I must do. Become an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> of course. So... Because that's what he does. He's that's he's an alcoholic, and he's he, he steals money to pay to buy booze, I guess, because his life's so shit. <laughs> and I love you even pointed out Josh at the beginning where he's like he's gonna mug this homeless woman because she's got so much. Like, dude, it's ridiculous. I did like it. It's a really nice depiction of all the characters. They're all written pretty, like on the nose for who they're supposed to be. The whole apology with Nathan is nice because Nathan's a piece of shit and he's always like on Peter's ass about everything. And I always hated that. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, who the fuck are you? Like, he's busy. He's living his life. He doesn't have to go to his aunt's house every day for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the web, the webbing heart. That's a great <laughs> one. Yeah. Um some good quips and also i just really like i i agree with julie i liked mary jane in this where she was like ew this is gross here wear something cuter mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's always like that too and in this i mean she's never wrong and it's just like it, when their marriage doesn't work out i'm so peter's gonna just like crumble <laughs> into nothing he, he's not gonna be able to live without how, <laughs> how has he lived without her to this point and his life has gotten so much better since moving in with her i don't know why he didn't do this before it's just like she's literally the best wife you could possibly have as a vigilante so yeah and it's it is what it done but it also brings in like we are continuing the story of peter's life right like mm-hmm. nathan and, and aunt may get re-engaged like we're de- re- de- we're developing right it's not just like things happen and it doesn't matter mm-hmm so that's good. I'm glad that the the blue and red costume is back. I was tired of the black one. It, just because it reminds me of Secret Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, just, I can't. I just can't. No one needs those reminders. So wait, I forget, yeah. Becca. Did you miss our review of Amazing 300? No, I was there. I, oh, okay. I, didn't, I missed the cartoon episode. Okay, okay. No, I read, I, I did that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think this was a, like, perfect single one-off, like, fill-in issue. Um, I really like that they bring back this, like, random obscure characters from the beginning of Spidey history to have them, like, you know, kind of catch up, see where he's at now. Like, this this is the perfect way um, to show where, they, where, like, a supervillain can fall off. And have like personal issues. I think yeah. it was perfect, perfectly told. You don't need to have this like deep backstory. I still don't really know who Meteor Man is, but I know his story. Like I know where he's at in his life. I know that he's like this washed up bad guy. Even after he like pulls his costume out from the trash, the whole time he's fighting Spider Man, it's still like dirty and like scuffed up and like imperfect because. It's this old costume he used to go around being a villain, and now it's like, you know, been in the garbage for years probably at this point. Uh, yeah, this was like really uh, a fun way to bring back an old character. Um, I I liked all of the stuff that Peter was doing as well. Like there was no like weird side stories that didn't connect. Like everything all had a purpose, which was really mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, Usually there's kind of like 
a subplot with Peter just to have a joke. Right. Uh, in like these kind of like weird one offs, uh, like uh, Mr. Pinky seeing through the walls and yodeling or something like none of well, that, that is insane. none yeah, of that no. is going on. Here. Yeah. <laughs> like this is this is great. Uh, um, I love the stuff with Nathan and the two of them like talking it out and figuring their like differences like putting their differences aside tell pant may i love the stuff with mj like both bex and jolie were saying um that's all really great yeah this was a a solid issue and a great one to follow up number 300 right that that doesn't have anything to do with it right like it's, right. it's back to the status quo and it it feels right yep like i said uh, there's one fascinating thing about the way that I think most of us read comics as a kid is you'll get these sporadic issues and then mm-hmm. sometimes it'll be years before you can ever follow up on, you know, the story that happened right after one that you'd read, you've already read like a thousand times. So mm-hmm. I think that's always cool. Now, one thing I didn't like in this issue was the dialogue when Spider-Man first encounters the villain and he, cause when the guy pulls out the costume, I'm like, wait, who is this guy? <laughs> and then he fights him for two pages before he finally says, by the way, is your union name still Meteor Man or have you gone back to the original and still dreadfully scary looter? And the guy's mm-hmm. like, the name doesn't matter anymore, Wallcrawler. I will simply be known as the man who crushed you to death. <laughs> okay, that's terrible. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like when... I don't mind the line. I think it's the placement is really weird. Yeah, like maybe if it was right when they first saw each other. Yeah, yeah it would have been better. But still, I just think it's like just just you know don't be embarrassed by by your genre like just you're a super villain just use your freaking name you know i don't know <laughs> but anyway uh gi julie was there anything you didn't like yeah it was the some of the art okay but i that was it <laughs> i already sort of said something about it like well it was like if some faces weren't totally consistent for some of the characters um and it sort of made it confusing but it was there was something warm about the art too, um, and stylistic. Like it belonged to a, sorry, like it belonged to the artist, and it wasn't necessarily sorry. It's Alex Saviak. I almost forgot. Yeah. Um, and I find that about his art, that's just like, it's not. Mm, it's like I associate it with Spider Man, but I also associate it with like, a, an artist's style. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to explain. Okay. Um, like, I wouldn't see this again unless it was him. Mm. And then you can interchange that with anybody's name. It's like, um, like, and you can say that about most people, like, Jock has a style, but yeah. his art isn't necessarily warm or inviting. Like, there's something um, about the panels that is um, littered with things that make the eye comfortable like the the pacing and the storytelling is comforting in a strange way like like i'm reading prose almost oh well that's a great way to put it um i feel like well i've always said his art feels like a throwback right like even though he started his career i think in the early 80s his art feels more like 60s like Mm. almost like an archie comic it has a very classic warm feel to it and in the midst of all this because you know this alex savik is drawing spider-man right when 
Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld are becoming popular, but he doesn't draw anything like that. He's not trying to make these guys look extreme or cool, right? He's making them look, um, I don't even know what the word is, but they're just, it's, it's like you said, it's so inviting and warm. It's, it's great. But anyway, um, Becca, was there anything you didn't like about the comic? Um, I didn't like that we didn't get to see Spider-Man's butt. You're going to tease me with a joke about a woman undressing Spider-Man and then not show his butt? That's rude. Fired. Um, I'm with this old, clearly mentally deranged woman. Me too, girl. You get it. If I saw Spider-Man's costume falling apart, you know, just give it a little tug. Um, I don't know. I don't know. My opinions are never as nuanced as your guys's because I just don't have that kind of um, intellect. <laughs> so sure you do. So I go. I like that there was colors, and I didn't like that there was no butts. <laughs> <laughs> um. But shirtless Peter with a mullet does is a little bit forgiving. So. <laughs> Um, well, I, you know, I, I think another thing I will say about this comic, too, I'm really happy that they did not give away who the bad guy was on the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, e- even when it's supposed to be a mystery, a lot of the times they'll blow it in the the cover. Right. Sure. Like they'll, they'll be like in the return of the hobgoblin. And then <laughs> the whole issue, they're trying to like hide the hobgoblin, like who the hobgoblin is. And then at the end, it's this big reveal to Spider-Man like oh, hobgoblin. It's It was you like they didn't do that in this one. They they completely, you know, they kept their cards close to their chest. And um, like, even though I didn't know who this guy was, even after they revealed him, I really liked the reveal of this like washed up dirt peg supervillain it's great yeah uh now didn't you think the cover was a little bit misleading in the fact that you think it's going to be this big reveal but it's just this guy called the looter or did you like that um i think i was confused because on the cover no i I thought it was just some guy because even on the cover his costume looks like pants and a t-shirt Right, okay. And boots, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't... When it's in silhouette like that, it just kind of looks like a guy. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess that's kind of what his costume is, but it is, like, more, like, uh, like military, I guess, with some purple and, <coughs> purple and white and this, like, crazy mask that almost looks like it's got, like, a gas mask built into it or something. Yeah, it's... The, the cover, though, to me, <coughs> just looks like a dude. So right. I didn't really think anything of it. It is a good cover, I must say. I think yeah. it's Tom Morgan. Yeah, that's a great cover. I like the pose, the Kirby-esque pose. So anyway, we've talked a lot about Web of Spider-Man. I think we all enjoyed it. I recommend this issue as kind of like a, you know, a distracting, one-off, spidey story. Josh, do you recommend this one? Yeah, for sure. Uh, G.I. Jolie? Yes, I absolutely do. Oh, P.S. Janet Jackson again on color. Woo! Our favorite 18, girl. 1814, yep. Yeah. Uh, Bex Luthor, do you recommend this one? Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's a 
these comics, now that Amazing is being so different, it's a nice contrast. So, like, reading these three every month is not so samey anymore. And I really like that. So, yeah, read them. <laughs> there you go. All right. Now we're going to jump to Amazing Spider-Man number 301. And Bex Luther, I believe you're going to tell us what this one's about, right? Sure, if you want. <laughs> um, I guess that's why we're here. Uh, man, they really do milk this cover, eh? Yeah. Yep. It's only oh. been one month and they're already homaging it. <laughs> the most homaged cover literally immediately after. I don't even know how many of this... Not this exact one, but this cover I own. Mm -hmm. um, just Jesus. <laughs> and it'll never end. It'll never end. Every no. character you've ever known is in, it has been in this pose before. So <laughs> we start off, and last week we had the introduction and defeat of Venom. And he's not in this at all, which is pretty cool. Um, so we start off with the Wild Pack, which is Silver Sable's um, government... Bounty hunter gang. I don't. They, they're like her government or her country's military, but then they also do things for money. Um. So they're going through. It looks like this. Um. This building and it's full of booby traps and things like that. And you find out that it's just a test for the security guy, and he's like was was testing them to see if they could infiltrate his high security system, and. The the wild pack, they're very proud. They're like, see, you didn't even shoot us at all. And he's like, but if those bullets were full of deadly gas, you'd be dead. And they're like, I guess. So they, they lose. So um, these two guys, whatever their names are, irrelevant, um, Mr. Pruitt and the other one. Uh, they're talking to now Silver Sable's there. And she's like, see, my guys couldn't get in. Your security system's flawless, I guess. And I don't think that's good enough for this one white dude. And he's like, no, I want you, Silver Sable, to infiltrate my security system. That way I know for sure if it's secure. And immediately I'm like, oh, sure, red flags. Mm -hmm. um, but so she has a little bit of an internal monologue where she doesn't want to do this because she thinks it's beneath her. But her country is in dire need of funds. So she's going to do it for the money, which good for her. Um, put yourself aside for your people. Shout out. <clears throat> so we pan, pan back over to, um, where is Peter and Mary Jane? They're supposed to be in their apartment, right? But it looks like a house. Uh, Didn't they move into the Chelsea house or apartment? It's like a walk up. Yeah, it's like a, like a... Almost like a duplex type apartment, right? Where it's like in a house, but they've. What page is that on? Uh, like five. Oh yeah. It looks just like a house, but I thought it was always like a, a apartment apartment building. But anyway, hmm. so that's a good point. At, anyway, okay. Yeah, I thought it was like a like a skyscraper ta like apartment. Like they were on like the penthouse suite. Yeah, but then I don't it's know like either. A big mansion. Hmm. I don't really know. Yeah. Anyways, I was really confused. Like, where are we? Like, are we like moving someone else's house around? But anyway, so it's Mary Jane and Peter, and we're in their apartment apparently. And Mary Jane's moving couch. Well, Mary Jane's telling Peter where to move couches around, and they're being very cute together. Um, and then so Mary Jane has to go do a shoot, and Peter's got to go be Spider Man, I guess. 
He's like, oh, time, time to be Spider-Man. I think he has, um, oh, there's a photography course at the university. <clears throat> that's what, that's what he wants. So he's donning his Spider-Man outfit underneath his regular clothes, just in case for photography purposes. So they both get ready to go, and they leave, and they tell each other to be careful, blah, blah, blah. And then Peter stops off at Silver Sable's, um, house apartment, <laughs> wherever she lives. Who knows anymore? This is also um, Todd McFarlane, so we never know what we're, you know, getting into here. He's a little bit lazy sometimes, but anyway. Yeah, it's like, I know who we're talking to for sure, but I don't know where we are. Yeah. Or why or she's wearing a wedding dress. <laughs> uh, she's Silver Sable. All of her dresses are wedding dresses. <laughs> Look, if I could casually uh, look this beautiful wearing this silk gown around my home, I would. Fair, but I don't, so fair. I don't. Um, so yeah, he comes in on Silver Sable and she's just drinking in a wedding gown by herself with her, her, her butler, I guess. And Peter's come to talk to her because she recently, which I think it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, Spectacular 128. Centuries ago, uh, somebody hired her wild pack to kill Spider-Man, and obviously they failed. So Peter's confronting her. He's like, "Hey, why'd you do that?" She's like, "Business. Obviously, it didn't. It we didn't get it, so it's no big deal, right?" Yeah, I mean, we failed, so you're still yeah. here. <laughs> why are you still upset with me? Yeah. Nothing happened. Get over it. Like, ugh. <laughs> so, and then the two guys from earlier come into the room, the security boys, and Peter's spider sense goes off, and he's like, "Whoa." These boys are suspicious, but I'm not going to say anything. So then he swings off because clearly Silver Sable doesn't give a shit at all. Like, I don't know why he thought she would. Um, then we switch over to Peter's and Mary Jane's apartment really quickly. And this guy is at the apartment looking for Peter and it's very suspicious. We go back to the university and Peter's upset because the photography course that he wanted to take is full. But one of his old physics professors tracks him down. He's like, hey, Peter, I need you to explain physics to students. And he's like, I don't know if I could do that. And he just starts doing a free lecture for like Peter. Ask for some monetary like, what are you doing? Um, and then we quickly see what Mary Jane's up to. And she's having a cat fight with a fellow model, which is just fantastic. Um also, she's, she's getting her hair did. No mention of how her previous hairstylist was um, deported and then p probably killed. So yeah. we're just not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> like, that just happened, right? Right. Like a week ago. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a different woman. Don't even mention it. Um, but this other woman's hair is amazing. So back to Peter, and he's thinking, he's like, oh, you know, that was fun. Not like, not, he doesn't think at all, maybe I want to teach physics. He's like, man, something about Silver Sable doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> like, it's not your problem, bud. <laughs> and this guy who's been track, trying to track him down all day clearly just misses him, and he swings off. And then we <clears> hail <throat> back to Silver Sable, and she's in her, like, actual Silver Sable outfit. And she's getting ready to try to infiltrate this building that the security bro set up for her. And so Peter is swinging around and, and he's in, oh yeah, so he goes, he's checking out these two guys whose feelings gave him some bad mojo, and he's just sitting in the guy's apartment, and he's like, well, nothing weird here, <laughs> um, until he, he realizes that there is something behind the wall. Um, we watch as Silver Sable tries to infiltrate this building, and she's getting shot at, and 
she doesn't realize it, but they're, it's really trying to kill her. Um, but she seems to think that she's just so good that it, 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 that couldn't possibly be the case. Turns out the guy's a freaking Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> just like, whoo, whiplash. Like, he's not just a bad guy. Like, straight up. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. You Complete know what? Complete with swastika candle holders. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yes, and a giant uh... portrait of himself. <laughs> saluting. Like not, uh... not a big picture of Hitler. A big picture of him yeah. saluting <laughs> to presumably Hitler. Um, really wasn't expecting that big whiplash moment for me. I was like, oh, what's what's who's this bad guy gonna be? And it's like, it's just a Nazi. Oh mm-hmm. shit. Okay, cool. Um, and. The Wild Pack, originally, they they hunted down Nazis after World War II. That's what, that's what they did, originally. So, clearly, missed one. Um, cut back to Silver Sable, and she's using all her sick gadgets to continue infiltrating this building. And she's like, oh, that laser shot my bag. And then she's like, well, probably, probably didn't. It's fine. Anyway, and it's like clearly a singed bag. <laughs> and then... Peter's reading this guy's diary and he literally has written down every evil thought he's ever had in his life and exactly what he's going to do about it. So (laughs) this guy's diary is just like, dear diary, today I'm going to kill Silver Sable and this is how. Step one. Um, Please don't tell this to the police. Thank you. (laughs) So Peter's like, ah, crap, better go save her for some reason, even though she tried to kill me. Um, Because he's a good boy. So Silver Sable, she fights this drone that has hypodermic needles in it that kills a plant that's in the hallway for no reason. Um, And then Peter shows up, crashes through the window, just as Silver Sable is literally two seconds away from pushing the button. He he webs her finger so she can't push the button because I'm sure it would kill her. And they get into a little tussle because she's like, ah, obviously they hired you to try to stop me. You're the, the end of this security scheme. And Peter's like, no, moron, listen to me. He's a Nazi. He's trying to kill you. And eventually she's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. You know what? He does say some pretty weird shit sometimes. So <laughs> so eventually she, she believes him and they stop fighting. And um, turns out that he was trying to kill her, but he's gotten away. So, like, the, the other guy, who's like, didn't know he was a Nazi, I guess, is like, oh, don't worry, we'll still pay you in full, but, like, sorry about the Nazi trying to kill you stuff. And she's like, that's okay, as long as I get the money. And Peter's like, what is my life? <laughs> and then we end with Peter heading home after one of his most bizarre days to the man who finally caught up to him, and he's, he's not some suspicious weird goon, he's just a guy offering Peter a job. Hooray. Yeah. Um, this is a weird issue, especially following up Amazing 300. Yeah. Because I really enjoyed 300, but this issue, the art is rushed, and I think the writing's rushed. It just doesn't gel for me. No. I don't know. Josh, what do you think? Yeah. It, it's... Uh, oh. Okay. Yeah. It's um, it's a little strange. Uh I don't really care for Silver Sable a whole lot in these Spidey comics. I feel like she's like severely uh, underwritten and super inconsistent. Like, 
I, I the last time we see her, she's like completely against Spider-Man, right? And she was mm-hmm. like teaming up with a guy that was trying to murder him. And she was like totally cool with it. And they were like in a relationship, I think, right? I can't even really remember. She so, was married to the foreigner. Right. That's what mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. There's just. And then like he he has to be a Nazi to be a bad guy, I guess. And like Silver Sable just like going through this and not thinking anything weird is going on, even though like this whole thing has been trying to kill her. And she's it's it's fine. It it is very weird rolling off of three uh, three hundred to to this. Um, I don't know. I think it's okay. It's fine. I I didn't really have a lot of fun reading it. I, I don't I can't really put my finger on why I just didn't like it but it was just like whatever you know yeah like just, just like mm. rushed or something yeah. i don't know what yeah normally I, normally like something sticks out to me as being mm-hmm. like obviously wrong but i don't know i maybe i just maybe it just wasn't my thing but i i don't know i wasn't a huge fan of this one right uh gi jolie what do you think hmm I, pretty much the same as you. The art looks rushed and terrible. The 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 actual story was just like really underwhelming after coming off of three hundred. Not that three hundred was a masterpiece, but mm-hmm. um, I like seeing the Silver Sable again, though. She is all fashion, and uh, I like what Todd McFarlane is doing with all of her outfits. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's like really all I liked about this. Um, she looks super dope. And then you get Mary Jane who should look super dope. And she doesn't. <laughs> it's like he drew everyone naked and then colored their bodies, the color of their clothing, which, hey, I mean, they're lifting furniture, which is great to see. But also it's just lazy. It's just lazy. Um, the subplot is or is not. It's not really a subplot, I guess. It's like the plot. It's just like okay. Uh, I feel like they could have used a better way to get Silver Sable back in the mix. Um, I like the little uh, like her testing out the security system thing. That was fun, and then it being. Um, her not knowing that it was actually trying to kill her. That was cool. Um, also, okay, I guess this, the Nazi is the subplot, right? <laughs> is he the subplot? Well, it's the plot. <laughs> oh, he's the plot. I think he's the plot, yeah. Oh. Okay, do you know what? There's there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, like, plot A, plot B, plot C-ing. It's all, like, plotting, and everyone's in on it, and that's it. You know, I don't know. Maybe Becca has more sorted out feelings. Since when have my feelings ever been sorted? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, um, I don't believe in that. I believe in only having chaotic, too many feelings. Um, I liked it until the Nazi part. <laughs> but I think that's just because I like Silver Sable. And I love how cocky she is. Mm-hmm. And... Man, to Todd McFarlane, only focus on her outfits and nothing else in this issue at all. He was like, all right, I'm going to put 
way too much detail into her giant freaking coat and literally nothing else. <laughs> it's, it's like, I get it, but also, like, you're drawing Mary Jane. Like, she should also be just as pretty. You're drawing Spider-Man. I should care about Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, the part that ticks me off a lot, even more than the Nazi part, which I'll get back to, but... Because cause when you're like, oh, how do I make an antagonist and not give a shit about him at all so that he's a one-off without a backstory? Nazi. Done. It's like, <sighs> I get it. She killed Nazis, but, like, there's nobody else in the world that wants to kill her. Like, nobody more interesting <laughs> than <right>? some guy. <laughs> yeah, it's um, just... Yeah. But the part that p- pisses me off even more than that is Peter goes back to the university and teaches a class on physics... And it's one panel, and then we don't talk about it again. Do yeah. we talk about this? Can we talk about this? Because, oh. like, <clears throat> he seems so happy, and, like, this is what he should be doing. Mm-hmm. He should be doing something with science, and he's just like, ah, but Silver Sable, man. Like, like he doesn't even think about, like, how much he enjoyed that or how much he misses science. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't even going to the university for physics. He was going to the university for photography. Yeah. Oh, it's just... Before Unless you, it comes back next issue, I don't know. Maybe. I hope so. But before you mm-hmm. go on about that point, Becca, hold that thought. Like, can we also then also talk about the conversation he had prior to saying he was going to the university, which was, oh, I've been thinking a lot about what everyone is saying. Oh, no, 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 sorry. He wasn't thinking a lot about what anyone was saying. He was just saying, I wonder how I've been thinking about how I can make more money at making, at taking photos for the Daily Bugle. And it's like, you a-hole. Literally everybody is telling you not to do that. And you're clearly <laughs> not listening. I like taking pictures, though. Right? And then, yeah. only of myself. <laughs> yeah, and instead of doing what Mary Jane told you, which is smart, which is fashion photography, since you can't let go of this photography dream for some reason, or doing what Robbie Robertson told you, which was not photography at all, like, you're going to this university where you accidentally lecture for physics. You're going there to pursue a course that is full? Oh, you dumbass, Peter. I'm, I'm hoping that this continues because it looks like this guy who's trying to, to to give him a job, he's he's an associate of Kurt Connors, right? So that means two things: either he's probably a scientist offering Peter a job, or he's a lizard offering Peter a job. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'd like to say lizard. the first one is more realistic, but I I don't I can't confirm for sure without reading it because it it could just be lizard related. Yeah. Second is most plausible. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like David Michelinie had a master plan for Spider-Man 300. And then they were like, oh, by the way, you still have to write for five more years. He's like, oh. Oh, oh okay. Hmm. I thought this and, like, through. You don't have to bring back Venom, obviously. But like, maybe have the characters, I don't know, refer to it. Right. <laughs> To what like, just happened, like, yeah. Talk to Mary Jane about her fear a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's let's have a converse. Like let's. Did it? Did it? Was it a? Did it happen? Did it really happen? And this isn't a case of like the the books not aligning with continuity. This is the, the issue immediately after. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not going to talk about it at all. The symbiote or or threatening Mary Jane's life or the fact that this guy knows who you are 
Yeah. And like the consequences of that. You know, I want to see the, the, the course you're about to take pictures, please. Thank you. <laughs> so frustrating. Like just reference it a little bit. Right. Uh, you know what? Also, Rob or not Rob Liefeld. Uh, Todd McFarlane's art looked rushed. Now, I know that he just technically did an oversized issue for Amazing 300, so maybe that's why. But this issue looked like he was cutting a lot of corners. Like if you look at digital page four, the guy in the gray suit is just an outline. You notice that when the guy's talking, there's a white guy in a gray suit and a black guy sitting down, and they're both just. No detail in their outfits at all. It just seems very <laughs> un-McFarlane-esque, right? Yeah, it's almost like Sienkiewicz-y, which yeah. would be dismissible if it was Sienkiewicz as the, as the artist, but it's not. Right. And when you go through the issue, like, there's a few good poses, like Spider-Man hanging outside or upside down outside of Silver Sable's office. That's a good shot. But then the next page, at the bottom, you see Spider-Man swinging away from the building, and it looks kind of off kind of rushed and then when you go through the issue there's just a lot of rushed sloppy panels so i'm only assuming that he was probably overworked at this point i don't know so yeah i don't know what to say about this issue i it's not a great issue i mean i don't know i, I mean i can't really not recommend it because you kind of have to read them all to get the whole story but it's definitely not a great issue of amazing gi julie what do you think um no it i I don't think it's great either. It's not even okay. Yeah. Um, if you just cut down the, if you just cut out the couple of pages about Silver Sable, it'd be a really good Silver Silver Sable story. Right. <laughs> Maybe it, it's like Silver Sable. It was almost like a Silver Sable book where Peter Parker was the guest. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. Bex Luther. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's very apparent that the previous issue had thought put into it and they were like, This is the story we want to tell. And then with this one that's like, crap, we have to tell a story. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Whatever pops into our head, let's go. Yeah. Like one was clearly three hundred was clearly someone's passion, and this is a filling a quota. Mm-hmm. And like I get it. You had to, right? Like the writers, the artists, they were like, you have to pump out another issue for next month. And we're like, shit, I don't have another story in me right now. Mm-hmm. Roll some roll some plot dice, right? Uh, character, Silver Sable. Uh, antagonist, Nazi. Cool, those are easy to fill in. Uh, plot point. Uh, attempted murder. Done. Okay, cool. Let's go. <laughs> story. <Yeah. 100%. laughs> attempted murder. <laughs> it, so... Yeah, it's just... It is what it is, and it, there's a reason why issue 300 of Spider-Man costs a lot of money, and issue 301 of Spider-Man does not cost a lot of money. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's also new new characters introduced, but yeah, it's just not a great issue, that's that's for sure. Josh, do you recommend this issue? Uh, no, I don't think so. It was just, f- <laughs> whatever, I don't know. I, I, I It just wasn't my thing, maybe. I can't think of anything that's, like, specifically wrong with it. It just doesn't, like... I don't know. It just doesn't flow right, I guess. Yeah. It's not my thing. Okay. Well, I guess with that, I guess we're going to jump to Spectacular Spider-Man 139. And I'm going to summarize this one. This one is the sinister origin of the man called Tombstone. 
Right here on the cover, it says, what is his strange connection to Joe Robertson? This issue tells all. So, yeah, we get kind of an awkward uh, opening scene here. I'm going to quickly say that Jerry Conway, at one point in his career, was writing for a TV show called The Father Dowling Mysteries. And in this issue, we see that he's applying all of his script writing techniques to the comic book, <laughs> but he's forgetting to erase the state, like the screen directions. So throughout the issue, he keeps saying fade, fade out, fade in, fade out, fade in. But like it's in the comic book. And when I was a kid, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But now that I'm reading it again as an idol, I'm like, that's kind of weird. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think. It's I've seen that before in a couple of comics that we've read. I think they were all by Jerry Conway. <laughs> it may possibly. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Anyway, but yeah. Um, so we start off the issue. It's weird because Spider-Man is swinging along. And he's just been shot at, but the narration is flashing back like 15 minutes ago, 14 minutes ago, 12 minutes ago, 10 seconds ago, explaining, like kind of bringing us up to speed. Peter Parker was at a dinner. Joe Robertson received a phone call. Peter Parker goes, uh, he changes it to Spider-Man to go investigate. And then now he's getting shot at. So he's trying to figure out what's going on. He sees the gunman running away on the roof. He goes to chase after them. He webs up a door. He confronts the guy, and it's funny because, in my opinion, in this scene, he's acting more like someone like Batman rather than Spider-Man, but he basically tells the guy, he's like, talk to me, and the guy's like, no, no, I won't, and he's like, dumb, punches the guy in the chin, knocks him out, <laughs> you want drama, we'll do drama, and then he t webs the guy up and dangles him from like a flagpole, again, not something Spider-Man would usually do, but whatever. So he finally gets the information out of him. And the guy says that he was randomly hired to um, hit Joe Robertson. And so he's like, okay, so then he leaves him. Oh, yeah. And then Spider-Man's like, you remember how I... He, oh, the guy said, you said the, the webbing would melt in the rain. He's like, oh, about that? I lied. Again, what is this? The Punisher? Is this Batman? Not acting like Spider-Man. Whatever. So then he goes to Joe Robertson's office. And again, we get a weird flashback where usually in comic books, when there's a flashback, there's an indication in the panels that we're in a flashback. Like, you know how in movies they always have like, a, a, you know, like a faded out dissolve or something to mm -hmm. a flashback. Well, in comic books, they usually have a rounding of the panels so that we know we're in a flashback. But here there isn't. He goes into the room and he plays a tape and it just cuts to... Uh, Joe Robertson recording the tape and basically in this recording he gives Spider-Man the full origin of what happened between him and Tombstone but before we can get to that we cut over to J. Jonah Jameson and Kate Cushing back at the bugle for a brief second then we cut over to uh, the Kingpin's headquarters where the arranger is having Tombstone continuously beat the crap out of this guy who is later going to be called a supervillain called a persuader. And they know that this guy can kind of hypnotize people into doing things that he wants. They're trying to um, use his skill for their own purposes, but they haven't got there yet. So anyway, Tombstone gets called away. And uh, meanwhile, we cut over to Spider-Man swinging along whilst listening to a tape recorder in one hand. <laughs> so I don't know how he can, you know, 
shoot his web and grab the next one at the same time, but whatever, it doesn't matter, right? It's just a superhero comic book. Also, so anyway. it's a tape recorder from the 80s, so it's not, like, small and compact. It's, like, the type where you, like, hit a button and the whole thing is ejects, like, five cassettes. Like, cassettes. Right, right. right. So. It's the size of, like, you know, an encyclopedia, exactly. And so we flash back to when Joe Robertson was at high school, in Harlem High School, and uh, and then he... There's an interesting quote. He goes, um, it began in my senior year at Harlem High School before Black was beautiful and Martin Luther King Jr. was still alive to dream of better things. So we see him in high school and there is a student there <laughs> who is named Lonnie Jesus. Lincoln, who's Tombstone. Now, so I guess the idea is that he's supposed to be an albino. But on top of being an albino, he looks like he has like vampirism. Yeah, like, he doesn't have, like, an actual nose. He just has, like, a, a vampire nose or, like, a, you know, some kind of weird nose. So, I don't know how he could have blended in with the rest of the high school kids, but whatever, right? Actually, not vampirism, but, like, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, like, he has he has a nose, but it looks like it's just the nostrils and almost no, like, actual nose. But anyway, so basically... What happens is uh, Tombstone, sorry, Lonnie Lincoln slash Tombstone confronts Joe Robertson because he's like, because Joe Robertson writes for the school newspaper. And he's like, I heard you had some bad things to, to say about me in the, st- in the paper. Well, you're, gonna, you're not going to publish those, are you? And then he basically just beats the crap out of Joey Robertson. And then Joey Robertson goes back to his editor and he's like, no, I got to kill the story. Uh, I, I just made it all up. It's not true. So they kill the story. And then he thought that it was over. But then years go by, like eight years later, he's working for a newspaper in Philadelphia and he gets a call from a guy who has a scoop on a story. He knows who really killed, like the actual identity of a guy who murdered someone. So Joe Robertson goes out into the middle, like in the middle of the night, he goes out to this dock and he's he comes across this guy his informant being dangled like uh, like basically this is a dead body being held up by a hand the guy's tongue is hanging out it's kind of a gr- grotesque shot the body gets thrown at him and we realize he's like he's like even before the beam of light the beam of my flash they found him i knew and it's tombstone standing there and tombstone gives him a wink and so this guy was going to inform probably we assume that tombstone was the killer and now tombstone's killed this guy but tombstone doesn't even do anything he just scares the crap out of robbie robertson and so he ends up killing the story again right mm-hmm. and so now he feels even more guilty because now tombstone is let off and over the years we find out that all these charges that come across that that, that are charged against tombstone they keep getting dropped. He's basically a hitman for the mafia, right? And no matter what happens, witnesses disappear and people uh, recant their testimony. And so Tombstone always gets off scot-free. And so now he decides that, you know, basically he has a confrontation with Ben uh, Urich from the Daily Bugle. And he's like, that's it. I can't do this anymore. I got to do something about it. And so he disappears, and then Spider-Man goes to see the Arranger to find out where Robbie Robertson is. The Arranger kind of, in a roundabout way, tells him, well, you might want to check Battery Park. So then we we cut over to Robbie Robertson confronting Tombstone, and 
he's like kind of like confronting him verbally and then he pulls out a gun but of course he fires it and tombstone is wearing kevlar so it does nothing then tombstone grabs him and gives him like kind of like a bear hug and crack we see that we hear a snapping sound we see robbie robertson recoiling in pain he falls down spider-man runs to the scene and he comes across robbie robertson laying on the ground in the pouring rain and he's like he did it he broke my back and then it says fade out and then it says to be continued next issue and that is the end and i thought this issue was actually really good i love jerry conway i love sal busema so i thought this was a really good issue the best of the bunch this week uh gi julie what did you think it was not the best of the week but it was good it was kind of like (laughs) it was very not magnum pi but like something else from the 90s like monk or shield with michael chiklis it was very police procedural noiry right that's what it reminded me of like a lot like it like a good 80s tv show right yeah and I honestly right. didn't realize how many times he used fade in, fade out until you like literally said it. And I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> so yeah. I literally said it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone has the same cadence. Like everyone has the same crime story cadence when they're telling mm. literally everything. And I, uh-huh. okay. Do you know what? I will give a 10 out of 10 to the tombstone backstory. That was fun. Finally seeing a backstory or flashbacks about two characters that are like kind of cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, all right. It's just weird that they went to high school together. Sorry. Go ahead, Josh. Right. Of course. (laughs) Considering that half of this issue is a flashback, Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty damn good. Normally these flashbacks are like shoot shoehorned in or like, they're, the backstory that they're trying to tell isn't very good or it's something that we've already read before and they're just trying to get like first time readers caught up. Uh, no, this was really good. Um, I love that uh, we're getting some like depth to Robbie because he's always kind of been this like background character that's like almost been like the second lineup right like he's always there with jj and he's right bugle now like we're now we're actually getting some like background on his past life and why he chose to you know get into journalism and yeah it's a really good this tombstone guy is great i always thought he had powers but i guess he's just like some weird looking dude uh i don't know if he has them yet Oh. Yeah, like he he's almost like Luke Cage, right? Where he's like impenetrable, right? Yeah, I think he's already mutated in this because like he breaks his back real easy, right? Right. Yeah. And so I yeah so I, I always I, assumed he was some sort of mutant, which is why he looks um, the way he does. He takes it's like an experimental drug, and then he gets uh, his powers. Gotcha. He just also just looks like that, though. <laughs> right. Are you saying he gets his powers later on? No, I think he already has them, and I oh. think they don't say anything about it till mm. later. Mm. Gotcha. But yeah, this is really good. I'm excited to see more of Tombstone. Uh, he's like a really great, uh, menacing-looking dude. He's uh, like a, a, a mob boss like character that's actually interesting mm-hmm. so yeah this is this i was very surprised at how much i 
enjoyed this issue um and was like surprisingly dark too like i know that the the dead body that he's holding up is supposed to be like cartoonish and like goofy but i think because of that it looks more terrifying than if a dead like like just like a faceless body fell on the ground and you didn't see that close up Mm-hmm. They even like do another close up of it afterwards with like the flashlight shining on it. Like it's genuinely pretty freaky. Um, I think the only thing like Mike was saying, the dialogue for Spider-Man at the beginning, like interrogating the guy felt like a Batman type character interrogating a, a villain. Right. Um, I don't think necessarily the visuals were off. It was the dialogue that felt weird. Like mm-hmm. if he was like if he made a quip about lying about the the web uh the web dissolving or something or like he said something funny when he knocked the guy out instead of just saying dumb and then like punching him out you know what i mean like right. if it was quippy i think it would be fine uh but it the the tone of the dialogue in that scene in particular feels a little off other than that i think everything was pretty straightforward and fun um i kind of like that uh, Peter's getting this story told to him through the tape recorder. Yes. Uh, and it's kind of yeah. like simultaneously happening. Like we're seeing it happen while he's hearing it. Like it's great. Yeah, that 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 sort of stuff is really fun. Uh, a new fresh way to do uh, a, a flashback that's like in canon. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like when, um, uh, what's that called? Digestive, right? When like, music is playing in a movie but or it's digetic, actually playing it? digetic right right yeah yeah it's actually playing um uh it, it, like in the universe yeah it kind of feels like that we're like we're getting the backstory because the backstory is literally being told to him that's a good point yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool um yeah this is this is a pretty solid one what do you what did you uh what do you think bex it was okay. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now I, you guys, I agree with most of everything that you said. Um, uh, I, I don't care about Joe Robertson. What? <laughs> but that's on me. Uh huh. <laughs> I think so. That's why I was like, "All right, cool. You got beat up in high school. You're a coward. Nice." <laughs> um. Anyway. Just so judgmental for others. Um, I love that Tombstone has always looked like this and that they don't explain it at all. Right. Because <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure, even if you have a bi- like, if you are albino, you don't get shark teeth. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. not part of the package. Um, yeah. So, like, I want to know where that came from. And, like, he has a Voldemort face. Did you? And he's always had a Voldemort face. Okay, like just getting the short end of the stick with everything there, eh? And like he's a bully in high school, but I don't know when he gets his like strength or whatever, or if like maybe he was born with it. I don't really know tombstones. Like this is called the origin of Tombstone, but it's really the origin of Joe Robertson's relationship with Tombstone right. more so good, than good Tombstone's origin, because like there's nothing really about Tombstone other than he's killed a lot of people, which I could have guessed. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I I understand. I get why people would like it. It just I found it not as interesting. I think. 
Yeah, also, Spider-Man makes no quips, and that makes me... I mean, I know he just got shot at, but he gets shot at all the time. <laughs> Is he, like, mad that this guy was trying to shoot Joe Robertson? Or, like... Because he doesn't say it, if he is. Um, like, the fact that he just knocks that guy out and then interrogates him is... Yeah, you're right, that's a Batman thing. That's not a Spider-Man thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't... I really don't like the panel where he just says, dumb, and he punch, and he uppercuts just a regular human man. Right. Like, you're a Spider-Man. You're gonna... You could have killed him. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, yeah, the flash, and then most of the flashback is whatever is what it is, but I don't know. I don't really have, I, this was the one that was the hardest for me to finish reading because I just wasn't interested. Really? I think it, maybe it's the writing. I don't know. The, the, the art didn't interest me. The writing didn't interest me. The backstory didn't interest me. I just, and I like Tombstone, so I was like, I don't, it's just, it wasn't for me. And I think all the fade-in, fade-outs did bother me, because how much more effective would it be to just have a panel of pure black instead of saying fade-in, fade-out? Or just... Don't. Don't have that at all, yeah. <laughs> because, like, why would you, right? Yeah, like, I think like, I just... In a comic book, you just cut to the next panel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to say that to go to the next panel. I, that's how I know how to read. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Left to right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think maybe the dialogue for me was just super dry, so I just couldn't. Mm. I just wasn't interested. Okay, okay. I don't know, at least the other ones had something that drew me in, like I was really interested in, in Silver Sables, at least the look of it. And then the first one, I actually liked the story. So for this one, I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's cool and all. But now, now your back's broken. <laughs> okay i don't know i always feel bad when it's like you guys are all like this is great and i'm like i just didn't like it no it's fair i mean and i don't know how to not like things because i like most things you're allowed true also i i can't i, I just thinking about what josh said about um the dead informant's face I feel like I'm the only one that scream laughed and then also immediately felt really bad about scream laughing when I saw that panel because it's, it's yeah it's, his tongue is like hanging out like a dead cow right and like I saw a lot of that living on a farm as a child and it was just ooh and then I was like ooh, okay I guess this is grotesque but also it's kind of funny looking mm yeah, it's it's almost got like an uncanny yeah feel with like the the eyes being like just like the pupils being dots. Yeah, there's something and yeah. just how yeah. cartoonishly unsettling about it. Well, yeah, it is yeah. definitely cartoonish. Like Sal Buscema's art is not realistic; it's cartoony. Mm. He's a great storyteller, but he still draws like a cartoonist. That's fine, but yeah, it's kind of an acquired taste, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's a lot. Just, just so you guys know, there's a lot more Tombstone and Robbie Robertson coming, like a lot. <laughs> okay, so right. get ready for it. Hopefully, it's as good as this. I hope so. And for Becca's sake, hopefully Luther's it doesn't sake. go. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't go downhill from here. Look, but... I like too much stuff. Sometimes I gotta not like stuff. Okay. To balance it out. Yeah. I mean, knowing how spectacular goes sometimes. <laughs> 
how long they drag certain stories out with background secondary characters. Well, this is a different writer, though. I have faith in Jerry True. Conway. Okay. True. So, I mean, he did write The Death of Gwen Stacy, right? So, all else is forgiven. Fade in good story. That's a bad story. I thought it was good. The Death of Gwen Stacy? That's a bad written book. Did you read it? You gave it to me. Oh, that's right. I, I left it on the grass at a <laughs> at a comic convention outside, and then you and I sniped it up, and now it's you didn't in my like cabinet. that. It's classic. Why didn't you like it? It's well, anyway. the first fridging of all time. That's okay. Mm. It's the worst one too. I still like it. I'd hated it, but also I'm getting it professionally pressed, and it was, don't don't worry, worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just because anyway. I don't like it doesn't mean it's not important to me and worth lots of money. <laughs> there you go. I left um, it on the Yeah, it was water damaged anyway. Well, uh, there's a great picture of just Amazing Spider-Man 121 on the grass in, a, in the middle of a... What <laughs> <laughs> well, were, were we doing? Some, I think it was, it was Family uh, Fun Day. <laughs> just in like a flea market. Yeah. That is I'll try wild. to find this, it. This is really, really rare. <laughs> It's one of my favorite memories, and oh, you should have seen when when my partner was was talking to um one of the guy uh, a comic shop. He was telling him about how I I had it just like not sleeved or bagged. Yeah. It was just in a cabinet sitting there, and the guy was like, "What?" And I'm like, eh, "Sometimes I take it out even... and I hold it with my teeth." Yeah, I flip through it in the bathroom where it's all steamy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, comic books are meant to be read. <laughs> And loved, just a casual and thrown on the dirt. Just a casual read in the, you know, in the bathtub. Yeah, how you don't read comic books in the bathtub with a glass of wine and your cat. Perfect. Just, just me, just me and my my really not that sad life at all. Anyway, well. Fuck that story. <laughs> okay. Also, anyway, it's my prize possession. Thank you, Mike. That wraps up this episode, I guess. I think so. You know, uh, do you recommendations we'll on a quick? high note? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. We didn't yeah, recommend I, it. I recommend I, it. <laughs> all right. I, mean, I definitely recommend this one. I was a big fan. Uh, G.I. Jolie. I softly recommend it. Okay. And Bex Luther does not recommend it. No, I fully recommend it. People oh. will probably really like this. I just didn't. Oh, okay. It's called okay. understanding your tastes. <laughs> I'd like, I, I didn't like it, but you guys all did, and I respect your opinions. So I'm assuming people who like comic books probably like it. Hmm. I don't go. recommend Amazing Spider-Man 121. <laughs> Yikes! It's another conversation. <laughs> all right. Uh, Josh, you can take it from here. Yeah, we want to thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. It really helps when you leave us a review over on uh, Apple Podcast or on Twitter or YouTube or Facebook, wherever you find us. Uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you guys think about the comics and the podcast itself. We uh, we want to keep that comics conversation going. That's right. We want to thank G.I. Jolie and Bex Luther for joining us. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know? Semi-glad to be here. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. No. There's nobody nowhere else I'd rather be or would have me, so also. <laughs> um, 
And I believe the next episode that everyone will hear will be the Morbius movie review. If not, that was last week's. And I'm going to keep next week's episode a surprise because no one on the show knows what it is except for me. It's a big surprise, but be sure to join us next time. So until next Monday, see you later. Ah!